G'day, everybody. It's playoffs in the NFL. That means it's time for Sam and the Big Man NFL podcast. I'm down here on tour in Canberra. And good evening to the Chiefs, Sam Zickman. Hello, Zick. Great to be with you, David. Nice to be catching up tonight. And what I know is a very busy time for you with uh, country championships on for cricket. But it's great to connect uh, and talk about a sport we love. And that's NFL. And it only increases more during the playoffs, which is where we're into some fascinating playoff matches. Six teams gone. Um, the cream is rising to the top across these divisions. Uh, it really was an interesting weekend of NFL football spaced out across three days uh, for the first time in a wild super wild card weekend. But yeah, what a, what a great weekend of football, an amazing comeback. Not a great result for your team, David, it must be said. Um, you know what? There's very few people surprised in America. I think that was the game that people were thinking could go either way. And, and that's the way yeah. it shaped up. And I know that you picked the New York football giants. For mine, the only genuine upset was the Jaguars over the Chargers, which we'll talk about in a minute. I've watched a lot of this game completely and utterly ridiculous. Trevor Lawrence played like a Z grader in the first half and like a premium elite football in the second. It was, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that shortly. The results, ladies and gentlemen, six games played on the weekend. No surprise here. The 49ers 41 over the Seahawks 23. A very good season. The Seahawks have played overs. They should be very pleased where they've got. In an extraordinary game of football in Northeast Florida in Jacksonville, the Jaguars 31 over the Chargers 30. Quite simply amazing with a last-second field goal. In a great game of football in Buffalo, this was phenomenal to watch. I did have some time to watch this. Buffalo 34 just over a wounded and banged-up Dolphins 31. This next result didn't surprise too many people. I would suggest you that even Minnesotans thought they were a reasonable chance. The New York football giants proving they are no pushover, 31 over the Vikings, 24. The, this was another great game. The Ravens played their backsides off against the Bengals, just fell short, even with the last second of Hail Mary that went inches agonizingly off the tips of fingers. The Bengals, 24, the Ravens, 17. And Dallas, despite their kicker shooting at what Mike Me on a football field, four, if you don't mind everybody, four missed PATs. I don't be surprised if he gets the sack. The Cowboys 31, the Buccaneers 14. We won't go to the Cowboys first. We'll go on sequential order. Sam, any great surprises um, in the 49ers Seahawks? I thought the Seahawks were game and it fought very hard, particularly in the first half. But that San Francisco defense is superb. Yeah, I think what came. Uh, to me with this matchup is just what a evenly balanced team San Francisco are. They probably to their own admission were, were not playing great football in the first half. In fact, Seattle led the game uh, leading into halftime and it was a match all the way up until the partway through the third quarter where San Fran really got their offense going, but they're just so good on both sides of the ball. They, they did let, 23 in, but I'll forgive them because they let 17 in in the second quarter. Besides that, they only let in six for the entire match. Um, they've just got so many good quality players. Greenlaw, Warner, Bosa, Ward, all these defensive players who play exceptionally well and just keep the game tight. And what they really require is their offense to go out there and score three, maybe four touchdowns and they'll win the game. And they do that comfortably. They've got a rookie quarterback who's now 7-0 and uh, since he's taken mm-hmm. over certainly um, above all expectations for Brock Purdy, except himself. I mean, in a few interviews that he's done, he's a very humble player, but certainly backs his ability. 
does have some great weapons. McCaffrey, what a pickup he was midway through the year. He's been exceptional. Debo Samuel, just building back into it, um, but an elite receiver. So many weapons. When Kittle gets around it and Jennings gets around it, it's just so difficult to see this team losing. So not surprised with the result, but credit to the Seahawks. They they really did serve it up to the 49ers in the first half and well done Geno Smith on a, on a really solid year. Oh, absolutely. Geno Smith's been Drew. He's got to be top seven or eight in the MVP voting. I think, I think the MVP voting's done and dusted. I think Patrick Mahomes will win that comfortably. But Smith's been superb. Um, if McCaffrey's not the best mid-season buy in the last decade, I will go jump off a plank. He has been unreal. And he's a dual threat because he can catch it and he can run it. Um, this is a dangerous side. People, the guys down here have been asking because I'm telling them I'm doing a podcast night. Redders, who do you think will win? And I keep on saying San Francisco. I just think that we've been on them for weeks and weeks and weeks. And they are on an enormous bull run at the moment. And they're going to be hard to stop. And good good luck, Dallas. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because of that result with the Giants knocking off Minnesota, the, the Cowboys have to go to San Fran. I think they probably would have preferred to have gone in division to Philly. Yeah, yeah I think San Fran's one of the hottest teams in the league right now. And you're right, McCaffrey is that dual-purpose back. He's such a special player. The fact that he can receive the ball, he can take it, um, he can take it, you know, to the house even just running as a running back as well. Um, he's a special player. You can only think about what the Panthers could have done if they held on to him. You know, they just miss out on the playoffs themselves. And because they, they really were, you know, in some ways that they were looking towards draft picks before they got a lot more than they thought um, in the back half of the year. And they probably would have loved to have had McCaffrey themselves. But yeah, credit, credit to San Fran. They've used him really well in their offense. And um, they are right up there now. Um, what an amazing story it would be if Brock Purdy can run the table and go 10-0 and win a Super Bowl. Absolutely. No question about that at all. They are a dangerous football side. They really are. This next game was quite simply unbelievable. Trevor Lawrence came out. This is Jacksonville and Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers were favourites, even though the game was in Jacksonville. And the Jack the Jaggers came back from nowhere. What were the 27 blot, I think they were down at one stage. They've won this 31-30. Trevor Lawrence's line is absolutely... I don't think I've ever seen a line like this in my life. Trevor Lawrence, 28 of 47, 288, four touchdowns and four interceptions. Just a bizarre game of football. Travis Etienne wound it up rushing. He was terrific. But Sam, what a game of football. Talk about a game of two halves. I know that that's a cliche, but you can't say anything more about this. This was just an amazing game of footy. Yeah, probably one of the most amazing things about this game is you're right, just how much it flipped on its head in the second half. If we just look through, just for the, the sake of interest, this is what the first four or five possessions look like for Jacksonville mm. in this match. Interception, interception, punt, interception, punt, interception, punt, before they and finally they managed to get a touchdown. And they won. Unbelievably. And a lot, look, um, a missed field goal by, by Dicker in the second half probably cost the Chargers in the end. I think that all they needed was another couple of points and they would have been home. It was 30 to 20 uh, and he missed the field goal. And then obviously there was a, a touchdown and a field goal then to win it for the Jaguars. But unbelievable. I think it just shows a player like Trevor Lawrence who just has you know a, an amazing ability for that amnesia they talk about in sport where you can just forget about a first half that, you, that you, you couldn't imagine going out and throwing that many interceptions 
and he was able to forget about it. He was able to come back in the second half, reset with his old running mate, ETN from college. Um, they got the job done in one of the most improbable comebacks probably since the Super Bowl um, when the Patriots got over the top of Atlanta. This was a game where I know as a viewer, I was almost ready to switch this one off. Just had it on in the background and there we go. Jacksonville gets up. Divisional winners, they've come in and they've knocked off the Chargers, although Chargers were coming from the fifth spot away. I think a lot of people thought the Chargers would win and certainly when they blew it out to 27-0, you thought by how far, but wasn't to be. Jacksonville heads through the next next round. And unbelievably, in the AFC, it's the four divisional champs that have got through. None of the None of the second or third seeds have got through. That is not the case in the NFC, of course. In fact, bizarrely, in the NFC, there's three teams left in the one division, which is quite exciting. It shows, doesn't it? We've been talking about how strong the NFC East has been all year, and you've got three remaining, Cowboys, Giants, Philly, uh, and just San Fran, who might end up taking them all out. Next game of football, um, I reckon Josh Allen will be very, very relieved that this game's over. Um, he wasn't up to his usual standards. Still through three uh, touchdowns, but two picks. I thought Skylar Thompson did very, very well. They turned the ball over Miami uh, and, and got back into this game. They stuck it to Buffalo in sunny and cold weather in Buffalo. Yes, it was sunny in Buffalo, ladies and gentlemen. Unbelievable, I know. But Buffalo will be very relieved. They have to play better than this. They've got a massive opponent, a better opponent than the Dolphins this week with a top-line quarterback. But look, the Buffalo Bills, 34. Dolphins 31 and they get a home final, which I think is extremely important for them to play at Orchard Park, Sam. What a massive matchup this one's going to be. I know we're jumping ahead, but we'll talk about the game as well. But the the Bills and and the Bengals, wow, that is going to be a matchup. Uh, It's actually going to be a crazy good uh, Sunday in America, Monday here next week with the two matchups. This particular game, what I was most impressed about about the Dolphins was the fact that they went down 14-0 but refused to go away. And Skylar Thompson... Yeah, it did really well leading Miami back into this game. In fact, for a large part of the second half, you were thinking that this game could well be Miami's to win. Um, they got back within three points late, um, went down on downs at their second last drive of the day. Josh Allen got across the line. And sometimes in playoffs, that's what needs to happen. You need to get across the line when you don't play your best. And this was not Josh Allen's best performance. Um, when you look at the box score, you know, very inefficient. 23 for 39, although he did get 352 yards, two interceptions, really supported by the fact that Gabe Davis played really well. Um, he was oh. a second second foil for Stefan Diggs. If those two are going to be playing like that, uh, it's hard to see them losing, isn't it? It is. They had, they had a couple of bits of bad luck with uh, receptions that got turned over that could have made that score a bit bigger. However, no, terrific performance from the Dolphins with a, a banged-up lineup. You imagine how good they're going to be with Tua back and fully fit. I do have a question on his long-term um, longevity, Sam. He is not a well man. Um, however, Buffalo get through and do the business. Yeah, the thing with Tour is you just wonder if this happens again next season. That he, he could almost be done if with one or two more concussions on his record. I just can't imagine why he'd... I mean, I understand the reasons why these players play. They get paid a lot of money to do it. But it's been a disastrous year for Tua in some of the worst ways possible. And that's obviously, obviously we've seen what happened with DeMar Hamlin, which is kind of like an acute um, position of what can happen to you in NFL field. But um, what also happens with the concussion for tour and what he must be thinking about now and what his family must be thinking about. Cause he two is what they're saying, but we all know it was three. He's had three this year. 
And yeah, I hope he gets back on the field and I hope he remains healthy next year and moving forward in his career because he's a special player. But you've got to be a little bit worried at the moment if you're um, if you if you're too a tongue of eye lower. Hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better myself. If you'd have told me that the Minnesota Vikings Kirk Cousins would end up with this stat line, I'd have told you that I'd have taken it every day of the week. So the Vikings went down 24-31 to a very good New York football side. Kirk Cousins, 31 of 39, 273, two touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles, no sacks. That is a very that is a finals performance, Sam. That is an excellent performance. But Sam Zickman, ladies and gentlemen, has been talking all year about being balanced in offense. Minnesota threw it 30, 40 times and ran it 16. They did shut down Dalvin Cooker, though. He went for your four yards. Minnesota clearly just didn't get enough ball. But honestly, that, that's, a, that's a finals performance, Sam. You cannot complain with your $28 million a year quarterback doing those numbers. That's a superb performance. He looks so frustrated sitting on the sideline. The, the defences couldn't stop the Giants in crucial moments because he didn't do much wrong. No. Kirk Cousins, he was really, really solid. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, 31 to 39. Quarterback rating, 85. Um, he was really solid. Daniel Jones, if we talk about good quarterback play, probably the best game of his perform- of his career. Over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Did get sacked three times, bounced up really well. Um, yeah, I think what when it comes down to it here is in the key moments when Minnesota needed Delvin Cook to get them a first down, he couldn't get that. He couldn't get there. They just could not get across the line rushing. He was 15 for 60 yards. Um, besides Kirk Cousins, one rush for a touchdown. He got no help. TJ Hawkinson was really good. He's had a super year. What a good pickup he's been for Minnesota. Um, they've been walking a fine line all year, David, your team, yes. And, yes. and they ran out of luck. They did. This is a this is a pretty good New York side. Um, Philly will be somewhat concerned. We'll talk about that in a minute. Daniel Jones. He's writing himself some checks at the moment. He has been terrific. I can't believe how much better the New York football giants are than they've been the last couple of years. They've been almost basket cases. Just quietly, their balance, Daniel Jones threw it 35 times, but they ran 30 times for 142, 4.70. That's also clear finals performance. And if you can run the ball in the playoffs, and this is something that Philly we're noting, you can go a long way to winning the game because it eats up the clock and normally make sure the ball's secure. This is an excellent performance from a very good New York side. And you know what? I'm not ashamed one bit in Minnesota's performance. I think they played well above overs this year. They got in, won a championship division where there's um, Detroit and Green Bay are breathing down their neck. But no, good work to New York. And I think they're going to cause Philly some issues this weekend in Philly. But uh, no, well done, the Giants. 31-24. And they just had too much of the footy. It's a great story of just perseverance with a quarterback and not throwing quarterbacks out too quickly. There was a lot of people calling for Daniel Jones to be gone uh, a couple of years ago. Including half of New York. Yeah, that's right. And It just takes a while for some of these quarterbacks to come on. They, Some of them, as these rookie quarterbacks, they don't get the opportunity like Jordan Love to sit and back up a really quality quarterback for four or five years and to learn their trade. They get thrown into it. And Daniel Jones is coming into his own. New York's got a quarterback now and they've got a team. So regardless of what happens against Philly and beyond in this playoff series, um, it's going to be a really strong NFC East because New York is good. They're a good team. They are a solid football side. And their coach, Brian Dayball, guys got to win coach of the year. Absolutely has to. This next game was so exciting. At the death, this is just an exciting game of football. 
Baltimore, again, banged up, wounded, hurt, Tyler Huntley in there, played their butts off against Cincinnati and just lost in front of an absolutely crazy, rabid crowd in Ohio, in Southern Ohio. Cincinnati 24-17, setting up a mouth-ordering clash with Buffalo. But we got to give credit to both sides. They turned on a great finals performance. And, and it, for me, one of the highlights was this wasn't a blowout score. It was tight, tough football. And you know what this was? AFC North smash mouth for you. It was great to watch. It was brilliant. Baltimore did everything right by one particular play, which cost them. Uh, it was a huge moment. So the, the moment is 11.39 to go in the match in the fourth quarter. Scores are level 17-17 for those that haven't seen it. The ball is at the one-yard line. Huntley has the ball. He tries the quarterback sneak. He elevates the ball, leaves his feet. The ball is knocked out of his hand before he crosses the plane. It's recovered. Deliberately knocked out with a specific play by the man. They were ready. They were ready for it. Yep, they were. And then Hubbard swoops on it at the two-yard line and returns it 98 yards for a fumble recovery touchdown. So instead of being down seven, Cincinnati's up seven and they go on to win by that margin. That play saved the Bengals' season because my feeling is that Baltimore were playing well enough and controlling the game. If they'd taken that seven-point lead, they would have done enough to have got the win. So Joe Burrow escapes, Cincinnati escapes, and they set up the match that we all wanted against uh, the Bills next week. Just quietly, last play of the game, Tyler Huntley runs backwards around, escapes, throws a Hail Mary. One of the Baltimore receivers, number three, standing behind the pack, it cut, like, sorry, I'm an Australian rules person. It comes off hands. He's roving at the back, dives to catch it, and it falls off his fingertips. He actually made contact with it. That would have drawn the game in sinister overtime, but not to be. So I can imagine that John um, Harbour is extremely proud of his side for playing so banged up. I'm sure that he's disappointed they lost, but they threw everything at them. This was a quality finals game, and Cincinnati will be very pleased to get away with the win. Sam, over to you for this one. The Cowboys were dominant against the Buccaneers, flat-out dominant. That score should be 35-14. was 31-14. I see Dak Prescott run a touchdown in front with, with a bootleg. Um, I had some messages coming in from my uh, colleague, Jimmy Newman, about this one. He said Dallas were just ruthless. They played really well, which was great to see because last week against Washington, they were terrible. And there was a lot of pressure built up on Dak this week. A lot of statistics, you know, Cowboys haven't won a home playoff game in 30 years and all these other stats being thrown out. Dak Prescott turns the football over. Tom Brady's in form. Mike Evans is finding form. There was a lot of naysayers against the Cowboys and they came out and they quieted the crowd down at Raymond James Stadium really quick. Uh, they jumped out to a to an uh, to an a lead of 24-0, which amazingly should have been 28, but was 24. Brett Maher missed four extra points in a row. Um, he pushed the first two right, and then he overcompensated and pushed the third one left, and then he pushed the fourth one right and it hit the goalpost and went out. Uh, fair to say, fair to say that he'll there'll be a kicking contest this week in Dallas. They'll bring in kickers. I don't think they'll release him straight away because... What he actually is really good at is banging in field goals from 50 yards plus. Um, interestingly enough, he only missed three extra points for the entire season and then missed four today. Did kick the last one, which, you know, does a lot of pressure. I don't think he could survive five. <laughs> if he'd missed five, I feel like he wouldn't have even got on the plane. He'd just be gone. Um, 
I'm sure they'll bring kickers in. I don't know who's out there at the moment. I'm certainly going to look into that this week. I would expect two or three will come in and compete against him. Um, hopefully it was just a really poor performance and he bounces back and he gets another opportunity. I thought it was really telling that the Cowboys uh, opted not to bring him out when it was fourth and five. Uh, Dak actually managed to throw a, a touchdown to CD Lamb, which if the game wasn't already sealed, it certainly was after that. But clinical performance... This is probably reflective of where the two teams have been all year. I know there was building momentum around Tampa Bay, but Dallas has been a really, really solid outfit this year, and Tampa Bay has not been. They've been inconsistent. Um, They're unbalanced. Again, we talk about the balance, 66 passes for Tom Brady today, uh, only 12 rushes. Dallas, 33 passes, 35 rushes, so very balanced. Uh, A player I will mention, David, who's coming out of his shell in the last few weeks is Dalton Schultz at the tight end position for the Cowboys. He's becoming a real red zone threat uh, for the Cowboys this season. And that's great signs moving forward as they will uh, against San Fran. And then potentially in a, or what will be if if Dallas can win, will be a, a local divisional rivalry against either Philly or the Giants, but got to get through San Fran first. Can you get in a more, more American name than Dalton Schultz? Schultz can I, I, has to be playing on America's team, doesn't he? Absolutely. And there's been lots and lots of press, not all of it good, about Dak Prescott in recent weeks. He's been giving the ball away. This is Dak's, Dak Prescott's stat line. Seven rushes for 24 yards, including a touchdown. 25 of 33, 305 and four touchdowns, no interceptions and one sack. That's a finals performance. And if you're 96.5, you can't get much better. You can't. Superb performance from Prescott. So Tom Brady, David... Done. I reckon I don't think he'll go to I the way he was in the press conference. Let, let, let's be honest here. Playing on one season's probably cost him a marriage. And I don't say that lightly at all. I say that in, entirely seriously. And he's 46 years of age. He's got a wonderful opportunity to go into the Fox Box for 30 million a year. Um, I don't think he needs to continue on. Maybe the only carrot that's being bad at Matt thrown at him is is from our friends at Allegiant Stadium. But I actually think he should retire. I think he he has nothing left to prove. I think there's one thing for certain, and that's he will not play again for Tampa Bay. Oh, wait. Uh, He's done in Tampa Bay. If he is to come back, it'll be either... Look, I think if he's going to come back, it has to be immediately. I think once he goes to the booth, I think that's it. I can't see him coming back down from the booth to play mid-season for a team that might need him. There'll, there'll be, and they mentioned on the coverage, Joe Buck mentioned on the coverage straight away, there's three teams at least who'll be giving him a call and, and one of them is going to be Vegas. Absolutely, he's familiar with the coach. Um, Derek Carr's gone there. So, yeah, he'll definitely field some calls. He cut a flawed figure leaving today and obviously just lost a playoff game, but lifted his hat as he walked off the field and and he was gone into the dugout really quickly. Um I'm probably aligned with you, David. He doesn't need to play football anymore. Um, When you see some of the stats, I mean, the Cowboys win today. All that meant was their franchise is now tied with Tom Brady for playoff wins. Like he's won seven. He's done everything. Um, I said this last year when he retired and we were talking about it on the podcast. Just think everyone needs to appreciate someone like Tom Brady, appreciate greatness. Um, because that's probably it for Tom Brady. And I think you should go into retirement, head to the booth and similar to Tony Romo, we can sit back for the next 20 or 30 years and just listen to him, listen to his footy brain, listen to him talk about NFL. And, and if that is a career, uh, what an amazing career it was. 
Absolutely. And Romo's superb to listen to. I love he and Jim Nance are outstanding. That's comments. the best call, the best coverage. Yep. Oh, Him no and Jim question. Nance. Unbelievable. They're a seven out of ten on Pat Summerall and John Madden. And in my mind, Pat Summerall and John Madden are the greatest commentary duo that have ever lived on this earth. That's how good they are. And these two are fantastic. I just love Romo's ability to read defenses and read offenses is, is wonderful. I just love listening to him. It's like getting a master's degree in football. And if Brady can communicate well, which I think he can, he'll, he should be fantastic. Now, onto the schedule. So two games at Sunday, Australian time, two games Monday. First game of the weekend at Arrowhead. Goodness me. Or Jacksonville. Jacksonville head to Kansas City. That's 8.30am on Sunday morning Australian time. I think Mr. Zippler might be watching a little bit of football on Sunday just quietly. Followed by the New York Football Giants at Philly at 12.15pm. Then on Monday, 7am our time, Cincinnati at Buffalo, if you don't mind. Followed by Dallas at San Francisco. That's the late game. That'll be at Levi Stadium in San Francisco. And before I go any further, if Kansas City play Buffalo in the AFC Championship. That game, ladies and gentlemen, formally, and we can announce this, it's not a scoop, but we can announce it, will be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Florida. So, sorry, Atlanta, Georgia. That will be a neutral game because of the uh, situation with Buffalo and Cincinnati. So we can actually announce that that game will be played in Atlanta, which would be a first eye that I could ever remember um, championships being played in neutral territory. Not that, we, not, not that we want to put out, pat ourselves on the back too often on the podcast, but if you do rewind to last week, you may hear me mention that that was the, the venue that I thought this game might have been played at. Uh, and when it was announced during the week, that I gave him a little fist bump that I got that one right. And interestingly, when the article came out last week, uh, congratulations to you on that, I thought they might be playing in Louisiana, to be honest. When they came out last week, both Detroit and Indianapolis, and I had mentioned Indianapolis quite firmly. In, I think in that, was, that was definitely like, it was between those two in the end from what I read. So that um, Ford Field and Lucas Oil Stadium are actually unavailable. First of all, I think the easiest game of the weekend to pick is Jacksonville at Kansas City. I think Jacksonville's played out of their skin till now. They're going to get a rude awakening going into Arrowhead. I think Kansas City will win by 7 to 10. Yeah, I agree. Double digits for me. Kansas City gets the win and then they'll sit back and look whether they'll get to host a game or whether they'll head to a neutral side. But Kansas City, too strong. Great uh, great work for Jacksonville. Doug Peterson's great coach. Didn't mention him when we were talking about the game, but, you know, he obviously the mastermind of the Philly special and he's got Trevor Lawrence playing really, really good, confident football. So good work, Jacksonville, in their season. But Kansas City, too strong. Clearly. This next game I find quite hard to pick. Philadelphia have not been convincing them the stretch. To be fair, they did risk some plays and Jalen Hurts was injured. I, You know what? This would be the game the Giants would want. They would want to play against a side that's just down the road from them. They know intimately well. They know all about playing at the link. This is a dangerous game for Philly. Um, it really is. I, I find this very hard to tip. And the only reason I'm telling tipping Philly by three is because it's in Philadelphia. If this was anywhere else, I'd pick the Giants. And that's how good I think the Giants are. I think this comes down to Saquon Barkley. And if he can if he can run the ball against the defensive line from Philly, I think that'll be important because that means that New York could potentially control the game. I'm with you. Home field advantage. I've got Philly by three to seven. They, they could, could be a little bit more comfortable um, depending on what happens with Saquon. But yeah, definitely got Philly winning. 
but I reckon New York's going to bring it. They're going to have to play really well. If Jalen Hurts is off, if he is off, then New York can win this game. Absolutely. I think it's a game that Philly will be very worried about. Now onto the, for mine, the, the Sunday games in America are fantastic football games. The first one of which is Cincinnati in, in Buffalo. What a game this is. Clearly two of the three best sides in the AFC. Cincinnati in superb form. Buffalo have been okay. This is a tough game to pick. Um, over to you, Sam, first for your analysis and tip. The emotions are going to be running really high. This is obviously the return match from Monday Night Football three weeks ago when DeMar Hamlin was seriously injured. And again, a bit update as we've done the last few weeks, all signs are really positive with DeMar. Yep. Um, recovery going really well, which is which is amazing news. Uh, this matchup, I could see it going either way. I am going to tip, tip Buffalo at home to win uh, by a field goal, but not with a lot of confidence. Uh they're going to have to play a little bit better than they've been playing. Their defense is going to have to play a little bit better um, than what they've been doing. They've got the best quarterback, but only just. I think these are two of the best three quarterbacks in the league. Justin Herbert just just behind in fourth. Um, so, yeah, I'll tip Buffalo off the back of being at home and Josh Allen being a slightly superior quarterback, second best quarterback in the league, and Joe Burrow being third. So, Buffalo for me. Buffalo by three for me. I, I think they've got the rust out of their system. They know that they can't be that poor and they will hold on. The key for my, my, me is Buffalo won't turn the ball over. I reckon that Allen's had his off day. He got very lucky against a, a, a banged-up Miami. This in Cincinnati, they make one mistake, they're going to get pogo. It's as simple as that. Buffalo by three for me, just. Um, and Cincinnati, again, a dangerous side. Leading us into Levi Stadium in Central California. Dallas going to San Francisco. Here's a great matchup. Sam's a Dallas man. Sam, what chance do you give the Cowboys? In all honesty, can, can, objectively, where do you sit with this one? With the amount of pressure that I think Dallas can apply defensively, I give them a chance. They've got the best defensive player in the league, in my mind, in Micah Parsons. I know that he was a little bit banged up today. The defense played so well today. If they can bring that pressure and they can put it onto Brock Purdy, then I think they've got a chance. I think explosively enough on offense to score the points to win. They've just got to be able to limit what San Francisco can do. They've got to keep, uh, I think Diggs is going to need to get at least, or the defense probably most likely Diggs is going to need to turn Purdy over at least once. But I give them a chance, David. And in, in, and in fact, I'm going to tip them by a field goal. Yeah, where, I, the, where I sit with this, um, where I sit with this one is, this is hard. The reason it's difficult is that for mine, Purdy, if this was Jimmy G, I'd have no trouble selecting San Francisco. Purdy's been on this amazing run. It's a pretty good defensive lineup from Dallas. Can he get them home? A couple of things. Tampa Bay have got no rushing at all. San Francisco's got probably the best running back in America. They are a dual threat. San Francisco, they've got speed. They've got a great, they've got a superb tight end. Guys like Samuel McCaffrey. They're just a talented line. They've got a great defensive lineup. Oh, the Dallas needs to turn the ball over twice to win this game. If Dallas can't get the football, forget it. They've got to be plus two in, in turnovers. 
Correct. Yeah. That being I, said, I agree with I agree with that. They if it's if it's level or Dallas turns it over more than San Fran, game over. No way. I, I I've got to tip the way I've been tipping. I, I've been tipping a San Francisco Buffalo uh, Super Bowl. Not so sure about Buffalo at the moment. I still think San Francisco win. I think they'll win by six to seven points. Um, I just think they'll hang on, and I think they will turn the ball over. And I think they'll. Jack Prescott will be chased and harried all day. He's a good player, but I just think that San Francisco's got the cattle to beat them this time. Um, I will actually be a little surprised if Dallas beat them because Dallas has been up and down this year in a tough division, but I'm tipping the Niners by six to seven points. Two field goals or a touchdown there. So again, it's Jacksonville at Kansas City, New York at Philly. That's on Sunday in Australia. Then Cincinnati at Buffalo and Dallas at San Francisco. That's on Monday in Australia. They're the NF- they're, that's the divisional round playoffs. Cannot wait to watch these. Goodness me, there's going to be some good footy. Unfortunately, I'll be back at work on Monday. I won't get to see it. And I'll, I might watch a bit of the first game in the morning on the, on the Sunday before I'm going to go to cricket in Newcastle. Sam, anything else you wanted to talk about before we um, say goodbye for tonight? I think the, the only thing to mention is that things are really ramping up in the coaching uh, stakes at the moment. Um, really interested to see what happens with the different movements uh, in the off-season. Uh, there's going to be some really interesting ones. You would have seen Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh signed on again at Michigan. Yep. So I think that was obviously took out a really important player in the coaching sweepstakes. The one to watch and the one that's the most interesting for me is what's Sean Payton going to do? Houston Texans, apparently. Interesting. Interesting. I just think that's such an interesting watch for me. And, I can't help it. Uh, can't help but just wait and see because he's going to coach somewhere. He's going to be back in the NFL. He said that he's ready to do it. So there we go. Interesting. The Titans for you, David. That's number one. Mm. Sorry, Texans. Yes, I think Pate will go there. I know that he's but they've sent him out for Denver as well. And in fact, they've he's been speaking to Dallas. If Mike McCarthy hadn't gotten through a playoff. And I think that that playoff win saved Mike McCarthy's job. I think yep. he'll be the Dallas coach next so year. I, I said Tennessee. I meant uh, I meant the Texans. I'm with you. I think he I think he ends up uh, in Houston, which would be fascinating because that's a long rebuilding process. And then if that happens, then they'll go all out to get the number one draft pick to get themselves Bryce Young. I reckon they'll build themselves around Bryce Young. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, Jimmy Harbaugh's de- uh, committed to the University of Michigan next year for his ninth straight season. Un- unfinished business. You would think so. You would think that with Stetson Bennett moving on and a whole stack of Georgia players nominating for the draft, that Michigan, Michigan would be, you know, Michigan and Iowa State would be that, that they would be definitely targeting the, the final four, as will Alabama. Alabama will be very hungry after a couple of leaner years on, the, on their behalf. So, Sam, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking football with you. Enjoy your football this weekend. We'll look forward to speaking to you next Tuesday night. Thanks, David. On behalf of Sam, this is David. It's been our pleasure bringing our podcast. Take care. We'll speak to you next week. Bye for now.